0: is what's called the 10 macroeconomic trends that are all occurring at the same time within that 60 mile radius flat land affordable business friendly city government you don't want to invest in cities that have a lot of red tape and and put up a lot of you know blockages and obstacles between the developers and and the land So business-friendly city government, you got to have population growth, you got to have infrastructure growth. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you
1: by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Brad. Brad, thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business.
0: Well, who I am? I'm a guy, a semi semi-retired 40 40 semi-retired 72-year-old person who switched <laughs> careers at uh 67 years old. I left my 40-year career as a successful business coach and seminar leader and trainer, and now I am in the business of selling dirt. Yahoo. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I'm actually called a land banking consultant and I help patient investors purchase land in the path of growth and then generate legacy wealth by selling it to a developer.
1: Nice. I love it. So what made you decide to go into land banking?
0: It's a great question. So I do a quarterly net worth statement. I've been doing it since March of 1989, when I was engaged to my wife, we were gonna get married in a few months. I decided to start tracking every quarter at the end of each quarter, how were we doing? I wanted to see if we were making progress. December 31st, 2011, I looked at the numbers and I realized with my wife's 401k from Oracle, we could retire together. She could retire by herself, but I looked at my numbers and my net worth, you know, separately from hers, and I realized I'm screwed. <laughs> I don't have enough money. Uh, I was uh, 60 years old at the time, uh, about to become 61 the next in like a month. No, in nine days, January 9th was my birthday. And that was very sobering, Michelle, to say the least. Uh, So I called my land banker. Her name is Marcella Silva. She was in a networking group with me. She's actually married to one of my best friends. And I said, come to the house, do your presentation. My wife sits in on the presentation. At the end, she says, no, thank you. Not interested in buying dirt. I like my Oracle 401k. I like mutual funds and I'm doing very well. I said, yeah, I know. I do our net worth statement. You're doing fantastic. So she walks out of the room and I turned to Marcella. I said, I got to get something into my retirement account. So two months later, I closed on my first property. A year later, got my second. A year later, got my third. And then finally, my wife comes with me to hear Marcella speaking at a hotel. You know how they rent a room and 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 all of us investors, we bring our friends to show them the opportunity and we get referral fees. We're we're called finders. So I didn't have any guests, but my wife says, okay, I'll go. I said, well, why do you want to go? She said, I just want to see what's going on. You, you're, you bought three properties, you've traveled down to Southern California to look at the land. You go to the annual meeting, you know, maybe I missed something, but the whole way in the car, Michelle, she's going, but I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy any land. I said, I, I don't care if you don't buy land. I I'm thrilled that you just want to go learn more. Short story, we get to the hotel. She listens to Marcella's presentation and she buys two properties right there in the hotel.
1: <laughs> Warning to anybody who is thinking that, don't say it out loud because if you say it three times, you don't mean it anymore. Right, and it's exactly. almost guaranteed that you're going to buy something. Yes. <laughs> that's how I got into about three out of four businesses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know that well. <laughs> so so um, yeah, so that's the story of how I got started in land banking. Oh, and that then is- and then eventually yeah. uh, after 40 plus years as a business coach, seminar leader. Oh, by the way, I remember earlier I said if my phone goes off, I don't know how to shut it off. It's probably somebody calling to buy dirt. I'll get back <laughs> to them later. Uh, but um, I was a, a, a business coach and a seminar leader. And after 40 plus years doing that, the same day my wife was dismissed, not fired, not let go, not canned, not downsized, right size. She was dismissed from Oracle uh, and they used that terminology. They made it up because they didn't have to pay her any uh, unemployment insurance because she wasn't technically fired. Yeah, strange. And again, uh, let's not get into big O and all the stuff I feel about they Larry just have I was, big lawyers. Yeah, they have a yeah. whole <laughs> slew of them. Anyway, that was Wednesday, January 31st, 2018. I remember like it was yesterday. And so she's done with her job. And I said, okay, let's, we're going out for dinner with Marcella. Just coincidentally, coincidentally we had scheduled dinner with Marcella and her husband, Rick. So I said, let's go out for dinner. We'll tell them our story. And of course they'll commiserate and they'll feel sorry for us. We tell them the story and they start laughing at us. <laughs> I said, what the F is going on? I, six figure job, uh, uh, you know, uh, vacation pay, 401k match. They were giving us free money. Uh, employee stock ownership program where she could buy Oracle stock at a discount. I said, it's all gone. She's not going back to work. Now you know she's, re- why. <laughs> she's retired and, and we got to live on my coaching salary. And Rick and Marcella stopped laughing long enough to say, Brad, you're not going to believe this. Two weeks ago, we scheduled tonight's dinner. I said, yeah. What's your point? A week ago, Velour, the name of the company I now work for, lifted the moratorium on hiring new real estate agents I had just gotten my real estate license two months earlier for another story, which I won't go into today. And Marcella says, we want you to move your license from that company to us and be the first person on our team. And I was like, holy cow. One door had shut really tightly closed. Another one opened really wide, but I didn't step in. I didn't say, yes, we're driving home. My wife goes, I don't get it. You love you love dirt. You love, you're a great salesperson. Why don't you want to do that? I said, Marie, they're asking me to leave a 40-year career. The only thing I've done my entire adult life is coaching and speaking and training. And now I'm going to sell dirt. She leans over in the car, Michelle gets right next to my ear, and she goes, Brad, you'd be an idiot not to take this new career opportunity. And I did not marry an idiot. I like and her already. I, I, <laughs> yes. Everybody I tell this story say, I like your wife. I say, yeah, that's my <laughs> So I laughed when I got done laughing and fortunately didn't drive off the road because I was laughing so hard. I said, okay, you're absolutely correct. I will call Marcella the next morning, February 1st, eight days later, my license was moved. And as my clients left, you know, at the end of their coaching contracts, I didn't renew any of them. One guy wouldn't let me fire him. So he stayed with me for, I don't know, it's another five years he's been with me. Um, But other than him, or he, whatever the correct word is, uh, other, than, uh, other than he, uh, I let all my coaching clients go and all I do now is sell dirt. Nice. That's my story.
1: <laughs> it's a fantastic story because I think a lot of people can relate to it. And I think a lot of people hit a precipice where they panic, especially if they've been let go, discharged, ignored, <laughs> however, whatever legal terminology they want to use for it now. But to know that there's an option available to them that they can just pick up and move into whether they have any assets available to them or not. And I think that's the terrifying part. And especially in tumultuous times, I'm going to say it becomes paramount that people know that they have options because options give us hope. So I I love this story in that and I love real estate in that. It has always been a place that I've known that somebody can go in without anything, and and build something.
0: Correct, hundred so, percent.
1: if somebody is kind of in that position where they find themselves like, I don't have money to invest. I don't certainly don't have a hundred grand if you live in <laughs> metropolitan Idaho. I certainly don't have a million to invest in real estate. So, what can they do to be able to start?
0: Well, there's a few things if they want to work with us. Uh, first, we educate. So we're not even allowed to sell land to anybody until we educate them first. Uh, but our minimum is only 25000 And again, that still might be a high hurdle for some people. That's fine. There's other real estate uh, ventures you can explore, uh, tax lien, deeds, uh, maybe a syndication where you only put in a little bit and you pool it with other people. Uh, there's all kinds of other ways, you know, take a take a real estate class for a couple of thousand dollars. Usually those people that are teaching those classes make more teaching than they do actually doing the 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 deals, but they've already done the deals and they have that experience. So you can get into mobile home parks, you can get into storage units, so a lot of other ways to invest in dirt, land, buildings, real estate of some kind. But with us, the minimum is $25,000 and and that's all you need to get started. And most of my clients use retirement funds. So they do- And
1: 25 is certainly, especially at this point in time, when there's a lot of things that you have to have at least 500,000, if not 100,000 to be able to even start with. And a lot of them are a million to start with. So let's talk about what you do and how you do it. What is, let's first off, back up the bus. For those who don't know, what is land banking?
0: So the simplest definition is I help patient investors build and diversify their portfolios, usually a retirement portfolio, by investing in land that is strategically placed in the path of growth. And all of the land that we sell is within a 60 mile radius of downtown LA. Later, you can ask me why there, and I can explain.
1: (laughs) Very specific. Okay. (laughs) I,
0: I can explain that later, but they hold and when I say patient investors, our hold period is generally speaking on average, we tell people seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is not a flip. This is not like buy a single family residence, you know, get in 90 days later, you fixed it all up and you sell it for a higher price and you make the difference between what you paid and what you sell it for. That's mm-hmm. flipping, that's faster, faster way to get money. With us, it's a longer hold, but our returns are also very generous. We want people to exit at no less than three to seven times, not three to 7% as a person this morning asked me, not three to 7%, three to seven X, three to seven times, whatever amount you put in, you should expect to hit somewhere in that range. Of course, I can never say the, the G word, guaranteed. <laughs> it, it, there's no guarantee in any investment anywhere. Maybe Maybe if you buy... Uh, treasury bonds, you know, backed by the United States government, but even the United States government can default, as we saw recently. Uh, this is uh, 2023. We're talking right now, and there was the chance the government was going to shut down or it was going to default on its debt, or you know, that could happen. But it's pretty unlikely that'll ever happen. But every other investment, crypto and stocks, but they all have risk. As does land banking. We try to mitigate as much of that risk as we can by doing a lot of research. We actually have a Part of our company is called the Research and Acquisition Department, and all they do is research the land to make sure that it's affordable, that it's free and clear of any hazards like buried gas tanks from 50 years ago or red-legged toad that's on the endangered species list, and that it is in the path of growth. So there's a reasonable assumption that it's going to increase in price.
1: Nice. So- I have an understanding why it, you're going 60 miles from LA, but what is it that makes that land uh, more attractive as an investor?
0: Great question. So we have this. Remember, I alluded earlier to we have to educate people. We have a one hour presentation that people have to take part in before they're even allowed to invest with us. And one part of that small part of that hour is what's called the 10 macroeconomic trends that are all occurring at the same time within that 60 mile radius. Flat land, affordable, business friendly city government. You don't wanna invest in cities that have a lot of red tape and, and put up a lot of you know blockages and obstacles between the developers and, and the land. So business friendly city government, you gotta have population growth, you gotta have infrastructure growth. You have to have access to ports and rail and air and and on and on. I don't even remember all 10. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to memorize them all. I think I got six or seven on that one, and oh, adequate water supply. Uh, so, all ten of our of the economic factors that we've deemed necessary to to make sure that it's a, a an ongoing growth area are all inside that that sixty mile radius of LA uh, downtown LA that I mentioned, and we prove that and we don't just say it. We will show you city council reports. We'll show you the general plan. We will show you modifications to the general plan. We go to city council meetings to take notes and find out what's going on. We follow all new developments. Where are they breaking ground? What kind of building are they putting in? Who are the people that are coming in? Are they reputable? Is it Kaiser Hospital? Yeah, well, guess what? All the land around that area where they're building the hospital, all that land just went up dramatically in value for the, either the parking lot or maybe another medical facility, who knows? Um, so we watch all that stuff. We keep track of all that stuff and we know where the development's going. And that's why we, we buy in those areas. We follow those economic trends.
1: Right. So you may or may not be able to answer this. I think you can, but um. What about somebody that absolutely loves their neighborhood? Say they're somewhere in Kansas and they're going, "Yeah, but the land is cheap here, and yes, the population's growing and and it's just more affordable to get in right now. Why does l a become more um, attractive to you than somewhere like that where the land is clearly more affordable, clearly, m- more poised for expansion? <laughs> all those kind
0: of things well, First of all, I don't know what the land prices in Kansas are. They could, (laughs) on a a per acre basis, could be very comparable to what we're finding, because we find really, really cheap land. Uh, People, one thing, just to digress for a second, people say, well, how do you do that? We have a whole process, but our bar is so high, we reject 29 out of every 30 properties that we look at as just not fitting our model. So number one, we screen a lot of properties before we buy one. Ask the person in Kansas: Are they doing that? Are they looking around at all the things that are going on? Are they looking at all the economic factors? I don't know, so I can't say. We just know that uh, if you're familiar at all with California, uh, do you know where the Silicon Valley is, or have you ever at least heard of the Silicon Valley? If you go to <laughs> a hasn't. Google, yeah, if if you go to a Google Earth map uh, mm-hmm. and look at Milpitas, San Jose. That part of the the South Bay, it's called. It's just at the bottom of the San Francisco Bay. If you go back now, you'd have to go back about thirty years, and you do this Google Earth shot, and there's no buildings. It was all it was all farm.
1: I guess so. Eh? Yeah,
0: <laughs> you, look, all, I'm not making this up. What else was there? I don't there make this shit farms. up. <laughs> I don't go. I don't make this shit up. It, it was cow right. farms, chicken yeah. farms. Go and look at the map. There's no buildings. You go Google Earth it now. Well, actually, about 15 years ago, uh, there's no more land. The land that's there is undevelopable. There may be some empty parcels, but they're undevelopable for whatever reason. Maybe there's an easement, maybe there's a, a, a culvert that where the when it rains, the rain runs through and you can't build on it, you're not allowed. But there's no more land in the Silicon Valley. And you might have bought something 25, 30 years ago at 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 an acre, and you exited at a million an acre. Now, we don't have those kind of multiples right now. You buy land with us for 25, you'll exit 100, 110, 120 somewhere, but that's still a pretty good return, and you're not doing anything. There's no tenants, no toilets, no termites, no trouble. You pay your taxes once a year, which by the way, are regulated by Proposition 13, passed in 1978, which caps the not only the reassessed value when you buy it from from us, because it goes you know we buy it very cheap we do mark it up we have to make a little money to run the company, but even at the price that we sell it it's below market, and it's capped at one point three percent, the the new property tax and they never give the whole one point three percent because it's undeveloped land, so they do it at less than that and then the yearly increase is capped at no more than two percent per year. So even if you're paying, what, $500 the first year for your property tax, the next year it's 510. And then it's 520 and 20 cents or 40 cents. I can't do the math in my head that quickly. All right, so very low holding costs, very initial low entry fee. It's just time. You just have to be a patient, patient, patient investor and just have faith that in time, the land is going to go up. the the, the value of the land will increase.
1: Well, and that was one of my uh, favorite coaches in in time said, you really want boring investments because boring (laughs) investments become predictable. And to buy in Silicon Valley, there's no way you could have possibly known (laughs) that was going to pop five years before it did because you just didn't know. Whereas the predictability around LA is much more, Boring, consistent. They have to build out. They have to do it in a certain way. It has to take X amount of years because they have the litigation or the the rules, regulations to put into place so that they know that they're doing it right when yeah. the time comes. Which makes it a quote unquote boring investment, but adds very, that predictability to it.
0: Very boring. And just as an example, like you said, so in L.A. proper, in the in the in the City of LA, the part that's on the southern side of the mountains that have the Hollywood sign on it, mm-hmm. we're on the we're actually where Lancaster and Palmdale. I know your your listeners can't see me pointing to the map, but just <laughs> north of that sign, you go over mm-hmm. the San Andreas Mountains and the San Andreas uh, Los Padres National Forest. You go Highway 14 up over that hill, and then you come down into the Antelope Valley on the other side. So it's only 50 miles, maybe from downtown LA. No traffic, an hour, lots of traffic, four hours. But you buy a house in Los Angeles proper, a three-bedroom, two-bath house, you're talking $3 bedroom 2 bath house you are talking 3000000 to $5 million, minimally, probably. And it's not even going to be that great a house. You can 1550s. buy a brand, brand <laughs> exactly. new three-bedroom, two-bath house, just brand new, built by the builder, in a gated community with a pool and a gym solar on the roof because it's mandated in Lancaster and Palmdale, they have to have solar. That's They're so energy conscious there that they require now all buildings uh, and homes in the last almost 10 years have to have solar on them. You get all that 450, 375 to 450 in that range. Somebody who doesn't have now with COVID and what the pandemic did, you got all these remote workers who realize I don't have to go into the office. I don't have to waste time sitting at the water cooler. I don't have to buy lunch, commute, pay for gas, spend all that time. I can work at home. If I have to get to a lunch meeting, I can be there in 45 minutes, maybe an hour door to door. Of course, non-rush hour traffic, I'm talking LA. So I'll, breeze, I'll leave my house at 11, be at the lunch meeting at 12, be done at one and be home at two, pick my kids up at school, come home, go swimming, do a little work, maybe work in the evening the pandemic changed everything as far as where workers can work from. So a lot of the people, the Los Angelinos, they're leaving LA proper. A lot of the renters are now getting into affordable housing and having a a commute. If they even have to have a commute, that's 45 minutes to an hour if they do it during the right time.
1: Love it. And when you're talking about, kind of that 10-year span of investment. Obviously, you don't want to be 65 going, oops, (laughs) did again, (laughs) and looking at this because then you're going, okay, going to make it to 75 to be able to do this. Who would be the ideal uh, prospect for this?
0: Great question. And by the way, I bought my first property at 61 years old. So, And I'm 72 now, haven't sold it yet, don't care. I know it's gone up in value over four times based on sales in the area. So I'll just keep waiting. You know, if my hundred thousand dollar property winds up, I get a million, and it took me twenty years. Let's see. I went from a hundred thousand to a million in twenty years with no effort. Oh, and by the way, did I mention it's in my Roth IRA? So Uncle Sam gets none, of no capital gains tax. It's all my. That nine hundred is all my. Yeah, I'll do that twenty times a day if I could. Hundred K into a million in twenty years with no effort. It's not a bad investment. Like you said, it's boring and it's lazy and I love it. <laughs> but an ideal investor, yeah, I would say, you know, probably 30s to 40s. So they've amassed a little, you know, some retirement fund. Maybe they got 100, 200, 300 in their, in their retirement fund. And they know it's going to sit for another 20 or 30 years anyway. Well, how is it working for you right now? What do you got in invested in? Crypto? In the tank. Stock market? Two, up, up and down, up and down, up and down is enough to give you a heart attack. If you own single-family residences, you got tenants, toilets, and termites. So you want something nice and easy that you don't have to look at except once a year to pay your property tax. This would be an excellent investment for somebody like that. And and most of my clients, I would say, 30s, 40s, 50s. I have one or a couple that are in the 60s, like myself, <laughs> and now in my 70s. And, and we would, I would keep buying land, but my wife won't let me buy anymore. She says we have 11 properties. That's enough. I said, well, let's compromise. When we sell one, we're going to do three things. We're going to put a major chunk into retirement. We're going to go on a really nice vacation. And we're going to replace that property with another one, maybe a smaller one, maybe the same size. We'll we'll see how big a profit we have. So we're going to do all three of those things whenever we sell one. And then that way, our daughter is going to be fabulously wealthy in a few years. If we kick the bucket, can't use it ourselves." We just will it all to her through our trust and she'll take it to the bank, smiling all the way.
1: Nice. So what are some of the aspects of getting the training ahead of time? Like one, I'm assuming that any, anybody from across the country can invest in this, yes? Can anybody from across country take the training? Do you have to be anywhere specific?
0: Well, it's not really a training. So let's back up mm-hmm. first. We just call oh, it education. Okay. Yeah. And it can be worldwide. It, they don't have to be in the US as long as the country they are in allows investing in the United States, legally allows people to do that. Mm-hmm. But we don't accept people from certain countries. We're afraid of money laundering or things like that, you know, Bangladesh. Uh, Yemen, a <laughs> uh, few other places. Uh, we, we I would have to discuss. If you're that. listening
1: to this, you can probably invest there. That's probably a safe
0: bet. <laughs> Most likely, yes. Uh, I and I have, and again, the pandemic skyrocketed my business. I have investors from Panama, Thailand, Canada, Mexico, Germany. Uh, I'm speaking with several more people from several other countries. We had somebody from Slovakia the other day uh, that that saw Marcella do her presentation. So pretty much worldwide uh you know, and uh, what was the other part of the question? uh oh, education versus training. It's not really a training. it's a one hour presentation that we will do for them. Uh, we'll send them a link so they can sign up for it and they will learn they'll get answers to 95 percent of the questions that they have. A lot of what I've covered here, but in greater depth, think, can i invest with friends if so how many what about family members there's different rules for that can i do a 1031 exchange which people might know is you know buying real estate and then you sell that real estate and buy a replacement real estate property and defer your taxes not avoid you're going to owe uncle sam eventually but you can defer them with a 1031 exchange they want to know can i use my iras you know can i use cash can I use a HELOC? Yes, but we don't advise that. In fact, I would probably not sell it to you because then now you're paying your interest on your HELOC and that's going to increase your carrying costs, which is going to decrease your overall return. We don't like that. So we, we want nice, my, my criteria, Michelle, they have to be nice, they have to be patient and they have to have 25,000 liquid in some form, somewhere to invest and then we'll send them the link. They can get educated. Once once they watch that, they're still going to have questions. So then they get a hold of me and Marcella. The the three of us get together on a call. The husband and wife they both have to be present, just like for a listing presentation to sell the house. And we get on a call, and we'll answer. We'll stay on as long. as The longest call we ever had was two hours. Person just, what about this? Okay, whoa, what about? Oh, I thought of another question. It was like uh, I have two hours. But they bought in the end, mm-hmm. they every every concern they had was addressed. And they said, okay, I'm ready to buy. Get me you know, $75,000 property. And then we go and we find them a property and sell it to
1: them. Nice. I love it. So do you have any Cinderella stories of any of your past clients or are they still kind of buying and holding?
0: <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> so one that I know of, mm-hmm. but because it's all confidential, I can't mention names okay. or anything like that. But this is one of my first clients she bought five years ago. She bought a huge property. I believe it's 40 acres uh, or else it was 10. I mean, She bought two properties at the same time. But anyway, the sale price was $750,000. In our industry, that's a whale. That's, giant. that's so rare. That's the only one I've ever sold at that price. And uh, Marcella, I don't think, has ever sold one. I, I think I have one of the biggest sales. For a rookie, it was the biggest sale ever in the history of the company. 750000 She is currently negotiating for $2 million nice. to Nice. And she wants to do a 1031 exchange to avoid the tax. We're hoping that she will do the 1031 exchange with us and buy a bigger piece of property or several properties. And we understand that she's putting this in the name of her grandchild. She's She doesn't like her... Son. I, nobody, <laughs> nobody will know who I'm talking about, but apparently she doesn't like her it's siblings. See who's her, moms her don't offspring. like you.
1: Could she be doesn't, like her, doesn't like
0: her, her, her offspring. So mm-hmm. she's bypassing and putting it directly in the name of the granddaughter. And if it's $2 million and she 3Xs it, we're talking 6 million, that granddaughter is never going to have to work a day in her life when she reaches the age that she's allowed to inherit and do all that stuff. Uh, I have another client that is less than two years in. I'm very jealous of them, by the way. They bought solar and they're currently negotiating a lease. So sometimes the energy companies don't have the cash up front to buy the property for the three to seven X return. So -hmm. they'll just go with a land lease and it may be it's, you know, 500 an acre, 1,000 an acre. They started off offering them like 250 an acre and we offer free negotiation coaching. So they called me and they said, Brad, I just got this email. I said, send me the email. Let me look at it. Call the CEO. He gets involved and starts to give some pointers to me to give to them to go back and ask the energy company. We know that land is going to go somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 an acre and they're at 250. So they got a lot of negotiating to do but usually they're 25-year leases with a 2% per year escalation clause and usually five, or two, one or two five-year renewal periods. So They could be locking in cash flow for 25 to 35 years and still own the land at the end of that time period to give away, to sell, to do whatever they want. The panels would be on there, so the energy company would either take them away or they would just say it's too expensive to remove them. We're just going to leave them here. You can be your own energy company on on your one little, you know, two acre lot. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but that's an example of uh, what can happen for a lease, a sale. And actually I got my first off my, I should say my wife got her first offer. She's had the property about five years with a friend. They're 50, 50. It's in a business park. And they're building a giant recreation center on 320 acres that are contiguous to 13 properties. They're all like just to the south touching that property. And seven of the 13 are owned by our company's investors. They, they don't know that. So they think they're negotiating with 13 different people. But seven of us are all getting the same information to make sure that we're all getting the same price. And we're talking just about an easement. They want to build a road, a drainage dish, ditch that will eventually be paved over. Uh, and so the, the, they're going to increase the value of our property. It's it's like they're building a street, half on their property and half on our property. So whoever buys our property is already going to have saved several hundred thousands of dollars because they don't have to build that street now. They can just go in and put in the land. They can drive the trucks and they don't have to get an easement. There'll be There'll be a road that they can drive on. So that's going to increase the value of my wife's property uh, substantially. Let's just put it that way. and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make some money now on the easement. It's like a rental payment that they give us. And then when yep. they're done, the easement is over, But the street is there. and it's like, okay, we got a, we got half of a street on our property. It just made our property maybe double in in value. So, those are three. Which is examples.
1: bonus because the city could always assess the land and just go, no, it's ours. We're putting in a road. Bye-bye. <laughs> so yeah, brilliant.
0: We're we're very we're happy. <laughs> right? Let's just say we're very happy.
1: <laughs> nice. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you?
0: Best thing is to email me. If they're watching, they can see on the screen my email is there. It's just my name, Brad at Bradwarren.com. I got that 25 years ago because I knew I would never forget my, well, at least I hope I never forget my own name. So I don't forget <laughs> CD, my email. You can always look it up. <laughs> hey, who knows? I could just Google it, right? Just Google exactly. this guy in Castro Take a What's picture
1: that? of yourself going, who yeah, is who guy? is
0: this guy? <laughs> use, use some kind of ID thing. <laughs> you know, my phone will tell me. So brad <laughs> at bradwarren.com. I respond to emails within 24 hours. Most likely we would just set up a Zoom to say hi and get to know one another. I would send them the link. To watch a lot of times i like i send the link early and I just say, look before we even schedule something why don't you watch this and see if this type of investment is even interesting to you take notes and after you've watched it if you're then still interested then let's schedule a call and that way we save everybody a lot of time if they're looking for cash flow it's like don't bother calling me there's no cash flow you're not going to get it you're it, this is a buy and hold set it and forget it, lazy person's way of investing in real estate.
1: Perfect. We will of course have Brad's links in the show notes. So you can go ahead and scroll down, click a link, open it up in a new browser. Cause of course we're not done yet. So Brad, at what point in life did you know that you were especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur?
0: Oh, <laughs> probably around eight, eight or nine years old. I'm 72 now. I think I might've mentioned that at the very beginning. Maybe not. I've been on a a lot of calls today, so I don't know what I've told to (laughs) who or to whom, but uh, I started babysitting. I think I was nine uh, at the time and there were nine women just on my one block that were all pregnant at the same time. Um, Yeah. They were all including my mom Uh, and they all had babies and they all need babysitters. So I started out babysitting, I I uh, did a, I had a newspaper route on my bicycle, um, no handbrakes. This was like a foot brake. This is how far back I'm going here. Uh, and I was pretty much an entrepreneur. I, I shoveled walks. I, I grew up in New York. So snow in the winter, uh, leaves in the fall, mowing lawns in the summer. Uh, I worked at a gas station. I worked for an air conditioning company, I did a, a lot of little odd jobs. And I I always... I did not want to work for someone else. I'm not a good employee. <laughs> Let's put it that a way. A great babysitter. Nine, yeah, good babysitter, but nine to five, nah, that's not my kind of thing. So I, I've pretty awesome. much been an entrepreneur and I opened my business in 1978 when I was done with graduate school, officially opened Bradley K. Warren and Associates Incorporated and uh, been an entrepreneur pretty much full-time since then. Now, now I call myself semi-retired. <laughs> Still working, no, I, but not hard. Seriously,
1: a hard worker. Obviously,
0: yeah. oh, working hard or hardly working. Uh, hardly working.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps?
0: I would say, due diligence rings in my head. I let 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 me also tell your listeners, Michelle. I've made tremendous number of mis- a tremendous number of mistakes in investing, including in land. Uh, uh, broke even and lost money on two previous land deals 15 20 years ago because i did not do my due diligence i didn't really dig in and ask a lot of questions i just kind of trusted the person they seemed nice it kind of made sense uh, i'm a lot more careful and i would ask people to be careful watch our program you know get educated ask lots of questions uh, make sure that this is something that you t- really understand before you invest in it, like I would recommend for any investment. Make sure that you really understand what it is that you're doing. make sure you get it in writing. You know, everything we do with people is in writing, a, a two-page contract to start and then you get a deed from the state of California, you know, officially stamped and everything. Um, but do your due diligence on any investment. Doesn't guarantee that you won't lose money, but you'll you'll lose less. It'll be a less expensive learning lesson and you'll increase the likelihood that your other investments will all do well. As I like to say, ask three times as many questions as you spend dollars.
1: <laughs> <That's really well.
0: laughs> I like that. That's good. Very good.
1: Uh, you have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is.
0: Oh, thank you. My, it's been my pleasure and and good luck to everybody out there.
1: Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with you, here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow.
0: Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years and it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The links in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.